0: hey it's Ronnie Gibson again this is another episode of short life advice today I have with me
1: Miss Lauren Jefferson
0: Lauren what's up how's it going
1: hey you know what I'm uh, I'm doing good I'm sitting in my dining room during this uh, this quarantine and just uh, excited to uh, to go live with you
0: yeah we we tried this. Right, right before the quarantine, I made it out yep. to Dallas, but uh, you were you were a little sick then, weren't you? And yep, and you had I was uh, on the way. To I was continue. about
1: yeah. I was four months pregnant. I had the flu. Um, at least that's what we think it was. But you know, then all of a sudden, like three weeks later, is when. COVID-19 really became popular, so who knows? But yes, I was sick and and was not able to uh, see you in the face-to-face, so I'm glad we're able to connect now.
0: For sure. I remember the day I came back from Schneider, the next day, Schneider put a travel ban on because of COVID. Yeah. Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) You could have been stuck with us in Dallas.
0: Hey, I wouldn't have minded that. It was beautiful. Yeah. (laughs) For March.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah, It's, uh, it's good.
0: So, Lauren, what is, could you give some uh, the guests, if they don't know you, some of your history, Schneider history, and then your title, how you got there, and then maybe you know, what led you to Schneider? How did you find Schneider?
1: Sure. So, um, my name is Lauren Jefferson, and um, I am currently one of the regional sales directors in the Dallas RLC. Um, and I have been with Schneider September 11th was actually my nine years so I've been with Schneider for nine years Uh, first job right out of college so many of you guys are probably um, in the the same boat that I was Um, I uh, am originally from Houston and I met my husband in college at SFA which is in Nacogdoches Texas and um, which is in East Texas. Many of you probably don't even know that that school nor that location. So that is totally fine. We call it Neck and Nowhere.
0: What's um, it's like uh, F Austin or something? What's it? Yes, yeah,
1: Steve Stephen F Austin.
0: Yes, yeah, State I think, University. I think you guys have been in the, the NCAA tournament. I think you might have. Yes.
1: Okay. A See, few it, years back. you know, <laughs> yes, that's, that's the, really the only thing we got going for us is, you know, basketball is, uh, isn't too bad for us. We're, uh, we're, we, we've we made a little bit of a name for ourselves in, in that sense. So, um, but yeah, so I'm originally from Houston, but my husband's from Dallas and Uh, Right after we graduated, we moved to Dallas, Texas, and one of my good friends, he was working at Schneider at the time, his name was Taylor Segner, and um, he was just talking to me about the job and uh, that he really liked the culture, the overall atmosphere, and um, so he told me to apply and I applied and um i started there and um, yeah i went from the the sales uh the the sales associate um to a team lead i uh, i became a team lead after a year of working at schneider and then um i was a team lead for six and a half months and became a sales manager um so i was 23 years old when i started to to lead a team and i operated in that capacity for um, about five and a half years, and now I am going on my third year of being a regional sales director. So, um, definitely a, a a great opportunity for me. Just uh, the the fast paced nature of, of how I was able to kind of climb the ladder here. Mm.
0: Did uh, so you you did start off in a sales role? How how did you how did you do at sales off the. You know off the bat first off
1: (laughs) you know i would definitely say so um you know i was working with schneider for roughly about mm, probably six and a half months and then adrian actually came down to the dallas rlc um and i would say whenever he came down i mean i was definitely achieving ramp i was over ramp um so i think at that point in time i had probably about a 10k book of business Um, My highest, I only peaked at about a 19K book of business, but I would say when Adrian came down um, is when he really started to notice something that maybe I wasn't really seeing in myself. Um, I really enjoyed, um, you know, spending time with other people and really understanding how they were going after their business and how they were you know finding prospects how they were navigating their prospects how they were progressing their prospects and i ended up just really having an overall passion in other people's successes than i would say my own so i typically tried to i ended up spending more time with others than i did on my own book of business and at that time i would say we had a few team leaders in our office but we had a lot of areas of opportunity just in terms of um getting our leadership pipeline underway and i think adrian did a really nice job in kind of starting that pathway in the dallas rlc for us and um so you know after uh reporting to him for a few months i got the opportunity to apply for the team team lead role and was found successful so um yeah i was just i would i liked sales but i would say i liked spending time with other people than i did within my own personal book of business at that time Mm
0: -hmm. And 19K back then was, you know, uh, a lot higher if you... Hey, you
1: know. I was looking good back then.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know,
1: I was not too shabby. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> For sure. Uh, yeah, you've always seemed to be, you know, seemed like you've always in, enjoyed leadership and, and, you know, it, it kind of suits you. Is that something you always were interested in, like in college or even before that, or something you always navigated to?
1: You know, I um, I'll be really honest with you i never saw myself as as a leader you know i think um that's one of the really cool things just about schneider and our culture and and mentorship and you know i think we have a we i think we have a lot of people that are keen in seeing something in others than what they see in themselves um i think that that's something that's really cool and so you know i think adrian seeing something in me at that time um really allowed me to see something different you know i'll um I've always been very much a go-getter, and I have had a lot of experiences in my past and my childhood where from a being a woman, you know, I think it's super important just to always find a career path where you are no matter what successful. Um, so my mom is someone that is, uh, you know, just I would say a huge. Um, oh, gosh, uh, you know, a person that kind of paved my way. My mom was never super successful. And I think because of that, that was always something that I knew growing up that I wanted to be kind of the opposite in that space where I wanted to be super successful. I wanted Mm -hmm. to um, you know, no matter what, do well. I wanted to be someone that in my family, no matter what I was providing. Um, So that was kind of the, the nature of myself in that space, but um, and then it just so happened that I think that passion kind of bled into the work I was doing at Schneider and, and someone saw that in me, which was Adrian, which was, you know, really cool and exciting.
0: So how, how do you, as I'm listening to your story and, and you, you see where your, your mother wasn't quite so successful and that kind of drove yeah. you, like, where did, where did you get that work ethic to, you know, where, where did you curate that from?
1: Yeah. So my dad and my grandfather i would say that those were two people that were very inspirational in my life both of them very successful my dad has a really cool background Um, my dad uh, uh, started out on wall street um, in new york city and um, i was born in jersey so i'm actually originally from the northeast my dad lived in the northeast in manhattan for i'd say about 30 years but my dad uh, actually was the CFO of the United States Tennis Association, the U.S. Open. And oh, wow. then um, he was also the CFO of the Guggenheim Museum in New York City. Um, wow. And so he he has just always been, he has multiple different types of degrees from multiple different colleges. And um, it's just been someone that has always um, had a passion to succeed and just to be well educated and just to continue to grow. And. Uh, My grandfather, uh, same way, I was very blessed and fortunate with him. Uh, He actually started a fund for me when I was first born um, so that I can, no matter what, ensure that I had a college education. And um, he was someone that invested on me early on in life. And that's really led me to, I would say, where I'm at today. So I would say those two male figures in my life and then the, the background of my mom and just kind of seeing, I would say, the struggle in that space, um, I would say all three of those things combined has really led me to where I'm at today.
0: Mm. I, I see it, in you know, sometimes confidence is something, uh, is a hurdle that's tough for women to, to get over, you know, especially in the, the workplace, and uh, you, you seem to always be very confident, and uh, Sheryl Sandberg talks about this in Lean In a lot of just telling women to lean in to their to their career, have confidence. You know, ask. Um, you know, be confident when you're asking for a position, and 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 actually, and go for it. And uh, was that something that you had early on, like through high school and college, and and then it kind of just went into, or is that something you worked towards?
1: Yeah. So um, I would actually tell you, people within this business that know me very well, um, I would tell you I'm probably the least confident, which um so to hear from someone like you saying that i have confidence or that it comes off like i'm confident i absolutely love that um and it's a kind of a cool feeling to hear but um you know i think one thing that i definitely have always had for myself is um i feel like i've always been a very outgoing person um and i think that um that is something that has has paid off you know i am I'll actually tell a quick story so before I started at Schneider um, my internship in college was actually for NASCAR so um, I actually worked for Roush Racing That's and really it was cool. such a cool yeah it was awesome um, I knew nothing about NASCAR so let's just get real there but I'll talk to you okay. a little bit about the outgoing nature of, of myself so um, I always wanted to be a marketing um, I was a marketing major and um, I went to a wedding with my dad in Charlotte North Carolina and You know, between all of us, um, I was underage. I was 19 years old. And um, I just remember I was at the bar, and there was this old gentleman that was sitting, older gentleman that was sitting at the bar, and pours me up a tequila shot and asks me if I wanted to take it. And I just remember my dad coming up to me. And my dad typically would have been like, yeah, Lauren, we're not, you know, we're not, we're not taking tequila shots right now. Okay. And, uh, but I took the tequila shot and he started taking tequila shots with me and I was just super thrown off. Well, later I found out that I was taking tequila shots with Jack Roush and uh, that's ultimately how I ended up getting my internship. Um, and so I got to learn early on, you know, it's not about what you know, it's about who, you know. Um, and I would say my outgoing, um, you know, kind of personality probably led me to that space. Um, I would also say that my personality has allowed me the opportunity to, um, and maybe even sometimes the lack of confidence at times that I had allowed me to open up to a lot of people within our business. And I think that because of that, I have been more of an open book and I asked a lot of questions early on. and. We always wanted to understand what others were doing and how they were seeing success or how they viewed things or how they would handle a certain situation. And I think because of all of that, it's allowed me an opportunity just to kind of be a sponge and take it in and be adaptive and kind of figure out how do I take all of these different types of concepts, techniques um, and figure out the type of leader that I am. And I think that's been super um,
0: impactful for me. That's it's a great story. Uh, what's one of the most memorable things of that internship? For cross racing?
1: <laughs> Man, I um I would definitely say so. I got to I got to help out with uh, Carl Edwards. He was one of our sprint drivers at the time, and so um, I actually got to do the Coca Cola uh, Six Hundred race, which is the largest race um, year round, and that's actually held in Charlotte. Mm. So that was an awesome experience and you know, just kind of being on the, on the track you're in, you know, black, uh, black trousers and, and, a long sleeve shirt and that pavement's like 150 degrees. It's absolutely crazy. But, um, I would say that that was a really cool experience and just being part of, um, just in the middle of it all was, was pretty crazy.
0: That's a really great experience. It's awesome yeah. to experience that at age 19, 20 and, and, uh, yeah,
1: it's yeah, early yeah. Up in your life. Yeah, well, and then I later on just found out, you know, my I will never forget when my dad was like, Lauren, this is the only reason why I was allowing you to take those tequila shots is because of who it was with. But next time, maybe maybe we don't do that. So maybe we stay <laughs> away from the bar.
0: <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, what did... So we can... We can revert here what was i like to ask this question to start us off what was the first concert you've ever been to
1: oh my gosh this is going to be so it's just such ronnie it's really just a dud i'm just going to be honest with you but my first concert i absolutely was my first cd too was sarah mcgoplin and um i just remember i was god i guess i was like maybe like 10 or 11 and my mom came home and surprised me with tickets and so her and I went and within the first 30 minutes I passed out in the concert. So good CD, you know, good voice. I wouldn't say the most, it's not, it's not a very lively concert, hence hence my ability to to fall asleep in it. Um, so that was, that's my, that's my first concert there.
0: <laughs> uh, I like it, Sarah McLaughlin, she's got some, uh-huh. she some jams.
1: <laughs> she had some tunes, you know, not, not horrible.
0: Too bad you fell asleep to it, but.
1: I fell asleep. How old um, were you and, then? Uh, gosh, I was probably about, I was 10 or 11, 10 or 11. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's,
0: that's fair then. If if you were, if you told yeah. me 15, 16, then I would have, uh, I'd to give you a hard time.
1: <laughs> totally. No. I mean, that would be really embarrassing. I probably wouldn't say it if that was the case, but no, to be totally fair to myself. Um, yeah. I was 10 or 11. It was a school night and um, it was probably about nine 30 when she finally came on and I mean, Sarah McLaughlin, she has slower jams, so, you know, at that point, I was, it was it was honestly quite boring, to be to be fair, so I realized right then that I liked her song, probably wasn't the best concert, so there's that.
0: <laughs> so, we, we talked a little about, you know, some internships and a lot of your career, do you have any memorable failures that you had to where um, maybe, you know, it, it killed your confidence then, but it... it working through it then you may have just built your confidence by realizing you know learning from it yeah anything um
1: Ronnie I have many failures I'm not even going to uh to sugarcoat it um (laughs) you know like I said I was 23 years old when I first became a manager and I am so fortunate that there were people that saw something in me and you know I'm also just super fortunate that you know, from an organization standpoint, just like the the type of coaching and development that I've been able to get and the mentorship and the guidance that I've gotten through my time here. But um, you know, I, I've talked a lot about just, you know, passion and where some of that kind of comes from. And I would definitely tell you that um, I've had a lot of memorable, um, I would say, morning cuddles and, and coaching opportunities when um, you know, with my team, and when I was a sales manager, and I, uh, when we didn't have, let's say, a great day, or talk time was really low, or calls were low, or um, you know, the pipeline wasn't where it needed to be, you know, there was definitely moments in my career where you know, I think that passion led to frustration, which led to maybe not the the best way of handling maybe a morning huddle, or uh, maybe not handling a one on one the best way. Um, and so, you know, I was really lucky just to, to have not only, you know, people that had mentored me, but also the relationship I had with the people on my sales team. You know, um, I can sit here and say that I've learned a lot from my peers and from, um, you know, leaders in the organization, and I have, but, you know, I would definitely say I learned a ton from my sales associates, you know, and, and the feedback that I would get in terms of, Hey, you know, I really liked how you coached me in this scenario, but I, you know, would receive it better if you did it this way. Um, Or, hey, you know, um, when you, you know, got on the call, you know, this is you helped me a lot here, but this is maybe where I wanted to take more of a lead, you know, so I would say um, the feedback and the those one on one type of scenarios with the individuals on my team, I would definitely say have, have really helped me, but um, yeah, definitely a lot of, a lot of moments in my career where I, uh, I have seen failure and, you know, I think, um, you know, I, I've always been one trial by error, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. and so I think that, uh, failing allows you an opportunity to be coached and, um, that way you're able to kind of take that in and hopefully do better the next time. So, um, That's kind of how I look at it, and that's how I've seen
0: it. Mm. One of my uh, previous podcast guests, Mike Oakleaf, a friend of mine, was talking about how you have a lot more forgiveness to fail early on in your career. So, to, you know, just to go in, say yes a lot, you know, take chances a lot, especially early on in your career. And I think that really resonated with me. And, uh, you know, it's just for younger people listening, you know, when people are asking you something, your boss is asking you to do something or, you know, there's something uh, to make yourself better, um, you know, just say yes and get after it. And like you said, like, it's just an opportunity to be coached where you can learn, you can actually learn from it and then apply it for later experiences.
1: 100%, you know, and, and I think we're just so fortunate just in our situation where, you know, a lot of us, um, you know, we are young in our careers, you know, and, and for for a lot of the people that um, especially from like an STM perspective, and I I couldn't agree more with that, you know, I was really fortunate that um, I uh, was young in my in my career and um, I had a lot of people kind of rally around me in that space and, you know, I always tell people close, you know, I think we've all heard it multiple times, but closed mouths don't get fed. And, um, you know, I think it's so important, you know, if I had any advice, it's just like, it's so important just to be super open and honest and, um, you know, challenge the norm, talk to your leaders, talk to your people, talk to your peers and um, honestly, that's just how we continue to get better, and, and when you're open to that and you're asking for, for feedback or advice or perspective or, you know, talking about your perspective or your perception, um, I think that all of those different types of, of um, connections just breed opportunity for, for you to be better and, and to get coached and to get someone else's uh, a viewpoint, so I think, it's, uh, I think it's super, super important like it
0: do any of these failures uh include Gebby tales
1: oh man Gebby <laughs> tales so what are Gebby tales? <laughs> tales are okay so just going a back to the college may, days
0: a birdie yeah, may have slipped a birdie this. might have talked to you about
1: Gebby <laughs> tales oh gosh there's just no telling which birdie that was but Yes, um, I used to. My roommate in college. Every single day, I'd get home from class, and just something crazy would have happened to me. Like I just, I don't understand how I found myself in these positions, and it it became a running joke. Like every day, I'd come home from class, and she'd be sitting on the bed, and she'd just be like, "All right, it's time for Gabby tales." um and and we started to kind of make a thing and i i one day i might actually do it but we always made a joke that i was going to write a book it was going to be a memoir of myself um and it was going to be called Gebby tales and uh they're they're like veggie tales but they're non-christian like (laughs) stories so um that's that's the real zinger there but um i think i'm going to hold out on Gebby tales maybe the tequila shots you know at the wedding maybe that was somewhat of a of a of a, of a Gabby tale, you know, of course getting caught by father, um, while I'm at the bar. So maybe that's, uh, maybe that's one of the more appropriate Gebby tales.
0: Okay. Okay. For, for
1: this segment.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Is Gebby you? Is that your college name?
1: Yeah, that is my maiden name. So, uh, Lauren Gebby and it, it is so funny, just like growing up, no one really ever called me Lauren. Like I was always Gebby um and uh you know i've had some i've had some interesting names like i played soccer growing up and my initials were you know leg so lauren elizabeth gebby i mean people were you know legster gebster <laughs> um gebetron uh the gebinator uh gabby and uh, i mean to this day Forge. you know my new you know my married name is jefferson and even my husband is just like man at what point are people going to stop calling you Gebby? but i think it's just going to be one of those things that stick around for a while
0: those are some fantastic nicknames by the way
1: those there's something aren't they
0: <laughs> i like <Yeah>. the leg <laughs> leg
1: yeah leg was leg was one of them that's oh, uh yeah. that was an interesting one um yeah, but yeah, uh the, the Gebitron was always the one that um people people kind of called me that one a lot, so that was always funny.
0: Good stuff, good stuff. And it was yeah. I I it was Duke who you uh, uh your you guys be a, a couple years back, uh, Duke basketball. Duke.
1: <laughs> yes. Now ringing yes. a bell finally. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so we did go to that champion. Um, yeah, and we, we beat Duke, so that was a really big one. They were undefeated, so that was that was kind of cool. Yeah, that was that was, was cool. big times. You know, we're part of like the Southland Conference, and and you're not even gonna know what that is because that's how small it is mm-hmm. um, when it comes to football. Um, so you know, it was a uh, it was. I mean, SFA the the Lumberjacks. We went all out whenever we go into any of the basketball championships. So um, like that it. was uh it was really fun whenever. Uh, we finally got recognized on TV for, for something like that. So.
0: I like it. Yeah. What is, do you have a book that you give out or do you have any books you recommend?
1: You know, so I'm going to be honest with you. um, And Adrian is probably going to hear this question and is going to listen to this and he's just going to start laughing. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I, I've talked a lot about just like, you know, starting leadership early and being, you know, rather young when I became a leader and, Um, you know, learning a lot through trial by error. And I would definitely say that that is kind of been my motto for quite some time. And the area of opportunity that I always had in leadership is is to really start to look at sources outside of our four walls. You know, I think people are really going to start to tell, you know, other leaders, you know, how are you evolving? What are you learning um, that are outside of the Schneider walls? Um, and so I would say that I hadn't really started to be, um, a reader or, you know, the person that was listening to a lot of podcasts until honestly, end of last year, this year. Hmm. Um, and, um, that's been definitely something from like an IDP perspective that I needed to really evolve in and um so i have started to get um more into that obviously i listened to your podcast and i also think a while back we did a a really cool sales excellence call that i think you actually were probably a part of where we created that library full of different books and different podcasts and so um Mm -hmm. that is definitely something that um i started to get a little bit more into entree leadership the ted talks um those are things that um i've started to get more into but Um, a book that I actually read this year, um, I read on the way to and from the, um, annual sales conference was talking to strangers by Malcolm Gladwell. And I would actually say, um, I really enjoyed that book. It's basically the overall, I would say scope of it is just, um, how it's human nature that we kind of default to truth. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think for. For me, I actually did give that. I recommended it to a lot of people um, in the Dallas office um, in the leadership space, and um, I gave it to a few leaders. And um, you know, I think it, it applies a lot to what we do, and um, you know, especially when you know you're coaching and you're you're developing individuals. And, and our nature is to default to truth and kind of that need for inspection and the need to dig a little deeper and the need to um, maybe seek to understand more. So, um, I would say that that's been a, a really positive book, um, that I really enjoyed and, you know, I would definitely say for others to, to read. Um, but yeah, that's, that, that's one that, um, I've been, I've been offering up to, to individuals as well. Um, so yeah.
0: It's, good uh, it's, it's a really good book actually. I, I, host a book club up in the Chicago office and that was one of the books we selected towards the uh, end of the year last year and it was fantastic book it's really good for the the times that we are currently in with uh, the political tensions and some of the racial tensions that book is like perfect for this it is we're going in right now so
1: absolutely thought
0: about if you you ever read Malcolm Gladwell some of his other books or or if you're You've heard of this book? Definitely pick it up. It's, it's really good. Just to, you know, seek to understand, like you said, and and gain the perspective of other people before you assume good or bad, right? And one hundred percent. We tend to do that a lot. Just uh, always go by our perspective rather than trying to understand the other person's perspective, and that's really important for sales associates. And yeah. Because we we always assume we always come into a, a sales call and and always try to the way we sell or sells to try to is assuming that the the customer has the same viewpoint as us and that's a yes that, that's a big issue because you're you're essentially trying to sell yourself well you need to seek to understand understand what their issues are what those pain points are and and uh the whole deal and i think that's very important in our jobs for sure
1: 100 percent. you know I, I think it's just like it was the perfect uh parallel to you know don't judge a book by its cover right mm. so um i think uh you're definitely spot on and i think um you know we want so badly just to believe things that um just for what they are and i think just going that additional mile and to your point you know maybe asking the one more additional question right just that that one more um additional step probably gets you um closer to um, a different outcome so i i think that's it, it definitely correlates to what we do whether you're in sales or whether you're in leadership
0: and it's Great to hear, you know, that you picked up reading and, and podcasting stuff. And I always tell people it, it's never too late either. It doesn't matter yeah. what age or what part of your career you're in. You, you could always learn something or something from someone. And uh, like I've said it on this podcast before, but I probably read maybe five books total up until about age mm-hmm. 28. And yeah. uh, I'm turning 34 this month. You know, so I've picked up my reading a lot in the last few years, especially. But, you know, I it's just and it's very been very impactful for me. And that's why I've tried to pick it up as much as possible. But it's just it's never too late. Like even my mom just started reading a lot more Mm -hmm. uh, and I have read some books with her recently. And, um, you know, it's just it's so impactful. I look at books as mentors, uh, you know, or like look at them as mentors because you learn so much from them and uh, you're learning from some of the greatest minds to ever walk this earth. Uh, usually from, you know, Malcolm Gladwell, the one we were talking about is yeah one of the most intelligent, sophisticated people that's probably walked this, uh, this earth at least for the last couple hundred years, in my opinion.
1: <laughs> totally. You know, I just think Um, I think that that was, for whatever reason, it was something that it was a a bigger concept for me just to kind of like take in is the space of, you know, I learned so many different things from individuals within STM and within our organization. But, you know, what I've realized is that reading um, and learning from other people and, you know, how they got to where they were or, um you know how they perceive things and and just getting some you know, reading these different types of books and these podcasts and how much you can correlate that um to what you do today and i i just think from like a leadership perspective it's it's something that's i've realized is super important and in order for me to continue to evolve you know what better way to learn from others not only within our organization but outside of our organization and understanding the different types of of trials and tribulations that they've gone through in order to help apply that and you know you'll just you just start to realize that when you start reading these different books or you listen to different podcasts or you get to listen to just different life advice you know it's just crazy how you're able to take that interpret it and apply it Um, and i think that you know over time, it just, it continues to make you more knowledgeable and and well-rounded. So definitely something the past year and a half that I've realized that, um, I have to continue to to get stronger in and, um, you know, just that little bit of kind of self-investment in myself, if you will.
0: And it's, and it's not easy. That's why it's not like, no. You pick up a reading habits. It's one of the hardest habits I've ever picked up. And
1: uh, one of yeah. the hardest habits. And why all of a sudden have I chosen that I need to pick up this habit now that I have two kids? It's like, OK, Lauren, why couldn't we have done this in your 20s when maybe that way more time available? Um, but no, it's a. Uh, Definitely. um, I'm I'm glad no matter what that I'm evolving in that space. But yeah, it's uh, it's definitely more challenging. I've also realized that I am old school. I have to have a book. Mm -hmm. Um, So Adrian really tried to get me into listening to podcasts. And I do well with like the TED talks that I can watch um, like on YouTube and Mm -hmm. actually see them in the interaction. But like I'm old school, I need, uh, I highlight. I mean, if you look at the Malcolm Gladwell book that I gave to one of our leaders in the office, I mean, there's there's pencils, there's notes, there's highlights. So I'm definitely a person that I realize like I actually have to have a good old book in order for it to really kind of like seep in, if you will.
0: <laughs> no, that's good. I I encourage people to highlight and, um, and I actually have little tabs as well. And, Because when I first started picking up reading again, I'd find myself, someone would ask, or I'd bring up a book, or or, or someone would mention a book, and it's like, oh yeah, I read that. And then then I was trying to think, other than the main idea from it, I was trying to think, well, shoot what, what was the main, what was some of those other concepts in this book? And I felt like, damn, it's such a waste. (laughs) Yes. Yes.
1: I mean, like, honestly, it's not that it goes in one ear out the other, but like, I need to like, I'm such a visual learner in general. Like I, uh, I don't do well with people talking at me. Um, I need like people like, rolling up their sleeves, side by side, Mm. showing me the way. So I've realized that just in terms of like how I take in information, it's best for me to like actually read it, highlight it, be involved with it versus it being talked to me yet.
0: Mm -hmm. And then you can go back, say a year from now, or someone brings it up, you're like, oh, and then you just pull it up. And then as soon as you see, read your highlights, it triggers that memory and then you can actually articulate it.
1: Totally. Uh,
0: 100%. Let's see here, if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, could metaphorically reach millions and millions of people, would you put on it, Lauren? Hmm.
1: You know, there is a quote and I think it was, gosh, I guess it was a, a few years back, I was trying to have like this, you know, inspiring morning huddle one day and I was looking up at sales quotes and a quote that I was actually, I found it on my nine box um when I was a manager in 2016 and um I had my team nine box and then I had some of the individual nine boxes and lately I've been spending a lot of time just in my past nine boxes trying to find like old prospects and how do I kind of like distribute those out to some folks um and one of the quotes I had on there was well done is better than well said by Benjamin Franklin and Mm. um you know I actually I really like that you know I I think about it in the sense of you know put things into action you know don't just talk about it be about it so i you know well done is better than well said and mm-hmm. i uh i always have have been one i i sometimes struggle about like talking about hey what are the things that i'm doing or you know e- am i being impactful am i being effective mm-hmm. if am i making a difference and Sometimes I've really struggled on like articulating that. Sometimes I like to think that you know it paid off in the in the scoreboard at the end of the year or at the end of the month, and, um, and that's always been something that I've kind of lived by. So I would say that's a that's a quote that's really stuck with me. And maybe if maybe hearing that for for some other folks, maybe that does something. But yeah, well done is better than being than well said.
0: Mm. And I, I kind of, I've heard that when you were talking about your failures and I think one of the biggest hurdles for people is taking action, you know, rather than we, we have all these internal hurdles, uh, for ourselves, mine included Mm -hmm. of, uh, I don't have enough time or, um, you know, you list off a myriad of of excuses that we create for ourselves but yep. to not take that action of something that we want to do to improve ourselves or or take a leap or or make that cold call because oh no he's he's not going to answer he never answers and then you don't make the call right but when you do make yeah, that 100%. call they always answer right
1: <laughs> yeah the mind is a is a powerful thing you know and i think we we naturally just have you know we we tend to we tend to think that we know the outcome before the outcome actually happens, you know? And mm-hmm. I know that I'm really guilty of that too. It's like, you know, to your point, um, you know, I just, you know, if I think about like, even like in, in a book of business review, or if I'm having a conversation with an associate, and I'm like, hey, like, you know, talk to me about this customer. Oh, well, they're small. Well, it just so happens that like, all of a sudden you call them and hey, you get a quote, you know, and it's just mm-hmm. like, we love to sit here and just tell ourselves that we, um, the outcome before we actually really know the outcome. We uh, we we tend to lean towards that self-doubt at times. Mm-hmm.
0: And even for, you know, little, little thing, like just even creating this podcast, I've had people, myself included, when I started this, just, oh, it's going to be a lot of work and blah, blah, blah. I was creating, you know, and then finally I was just did it, whether reading maybe a quote like that off a billboard, you know, maybe I, read, <laughs> I was probably on a podcast or something and uh, you know, I just took a leap and then, but I've had other people reach out to me saying, oh, I thought about, you know, making a podcast and and, and then started listening off the, the hurdles that they would have. And I'm just, man, just do it. You know, you're going to learn. Yeah. Just like you said, with your failures, once you get in there, you're going to learn from it, you know, and uh, you're probably going to take from whatever you learn and apply it to it and make it even better and better as you go on. So just take absolutely. Action
1: well and i just think that this has been so cool you know i think about the people that you've had on the podcast is you know all of them are honestly people that you know have been just they've made huge impacts to me and so you know like i said i've gotten an opportunity to listen to a lot of your podcasts and um i think it's it's been awesome i think that there's something that you can take away from from any of them and so i think it's so cool that you've started something like this because to your point, I think a lot of people would be like, yeah, that's a lot of work. And, um, but I, I think you've, you've you've created something that's just so cool. Um, and so I'm so glad that you've done that because I know listening to a lot of them have, have helped me.
0: And it's, it's been a lot of fun and a lot of times it's just a conversation between me and the person. And uh, so it's uh, those hurdles that I created initially looking back on i'm like i don't know why i was thinking that <laughs> so, <laughs> well then, i will
1: say you've done a really nice job because i was really nervous about coming on this you know i think it's really it's hard to talk about yourself <laughs> um and sometimes it's just like okay well i mean maybe there's something that someone can learn from me but you know it's, it's 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 just you know again back when that in that space of like just thinking about all those things in your head but i, I think you have you make it fine so
0: yeah, everybody it's uh, has a, definitely
1: not nearly as nerve-wracking as I thought it was going to be.
0: <laughs> everybody has a unique story, and we all have our own unique stories, but we can always take out uh, a little bit from other people's stories and apply it to our own. And I think that's what podcasts yeah. do. Uh, yeah,
1: no, definitely.
0: What's uh, In the last five years, what's something you've changed your mind about, something you may have been passionate about before and you change changed your mind about now? anything comes mm-hmm. to mind I wouldn't say um hmm.
1: you know <clears throat> one thing that you know I used to feel the need to always give my opinion and um and, and voice my opinion. And, and while that's not a bad thing, I think sometimes the way I would do it, it came across a type of way to, to some folks. And, mm. you know, honestly, at times I think it, it came off like I was very challenging, like I'm always challenging the what someone is saying or um, challenging, you know, the way that someone else was thinking of something. And so one thing that I've really tried to to do better at, especially in my new role, is just um, Kind of, you know, realizing that you don't always have to have something to say at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's good just to kind of take it in and, and process and, and think and um, before you kind of give your opinion. Um, and I think that that's something that by me taking more of a back seat at times in terms of speaking out or giving my opinion or being the first to speak um, and maybe just processing, you know, for a lack of better terms, just, you know, maybe thinking before I speak, (laughs) um, honestly, that's, that's played, I would say more in my favor the past two years. Um, and so that's, that's definitely something that, um, I've kind of changed, uh, how, how I think about that. Yeah, no, that's,
0: it's kind of a little bit what we were talking about earlier, seek and understand and that the active listening we always in our heads, we're always trying to articulate our response in our head, and then and then we always want to give our opinion before we even listen to the other person or listen to that customer. We always want to throw in our our you know our two cents. and you know sometimes it's better to just completely, you know, soak in what the other person has to say, rather than give your opinion. And I can, I can resonate with that. I used to be uh, very argumentative, especially early on in, mm-hmm. in my life, and and um, you know, I, I'm still fairly opinionated. <laughs> <do that. laughs> yeah. I'm not afraid to give my opinion, but you know, I try to actively listen more and and lis- actually listen to the people rather than actually thinking in my head and not catching everything that they're saying during the conversation. And this podcast has helped to be frank.
1: (laughs) I mean, that's spot on. I mean, I would be in one-on-ones and Adrian would literally like stop in the one-on-one and be like, Lauren, are you listening to me? Or right now, are you thinking about what you are about to say back to me? (laughs) And it's like, oh gosh, like I'm definitely right now thinking about what I'm gonna say back to you versus actually listening to what you're saying, so. Uh, you know, and it's good to be opinionated. You know, and, it, and it's good to 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 be outspoken. But you're spot on. I mean, I think that active listening is definitely something, and and just being okay with silence is something too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a that's definitely whether you're in the sales role or you're in that leadership type of capacity. That's definitely something that takes time, but um, probably something I've gotten a little bit more comfortable with over over
0: the years. That's a tough one, too. I talked about, I don't know if you heard Danny Passions podcast yet, but he, he, uh, that was something he mentioned. But he, he said he actually sat in silence with a customer. He timed it. Well, it was for 48 seconds. I was like, I started cringing at the thought of sitting for 48
1: seconds. That's a long time. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Before the customer, you know, you
1: really think about that. That's a lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You imagine just, we, we should have tested out the audience here and sat quiet for 48 seconds and see what the response is. <laughs>
1: right. Like, is everything okay? Is this thing still going?
0: <laughs> people to have their phones in their pocket, pulling it out, checking.
1: Right. Like did, did I lose wifi again?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's see. Two more questions here. What was your, do you have a best day or best moment, best week at Schneider that you can remember? I mean, Nice. Gosh,
1: I have a lot. Um, you know, <clears throat> so I have two, um, and I think everybody, you know, can, can can kind of recognize this. But I think, um, like, sometimes there's one of those like accounts or one of those moments with the with the seller um, that is just is kind of like that thing that I guess probably just like jumpstarts your career, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether that you're staying with that from like a sales perspective or the launching pad as you continue to accelerate through leadership. And, you know, I would say um, Hampton Creek was probably that first account I was a manager with, um, with Megan Conroy. And that was just such a, a really cool experience. And I will never forget where we had like a sales excellence call and we were learning about how you can utilize LinkedIn. I mean, this was years ago. Mm. Um, You can utilize LinkedIn in order to, you know, jumpstart a connection with, with a customer. And, you know, all within a week, Megan reached out via LinkedIn, closed Hampton Creek through LinkedIn, like not even through a phone call. And within a matter of five days, we went from like having like three loads in a month to 45 loads in one day mm-hmm. and um, I would say just like that two-week period of learning from how do you manage like um you know a customer because I was a manager and she was an associate and she was you know dealing with it all but I mean even the experience of like being in the leadership type of capacity and trying to help coach and and develop her and help her through that that time because she was an absolute rock star during that time frame but You know, going from three loads a week to all of a sudden, like 40 loads in one day, that was that was big. Yeah. Um, And just seeing all of those things kind of come together was was a really cool experience. So I would say that was that was definitely um, a memorable time. Just, you know, Megan, myself rolling up our sleeves and kind of finding different ways and solutions and just seeing so many people come together to make something happen. So that was a really cool experience and a pretty um, memorable time. The, the second thing, memorable time, I would actually say was um, when I was went on maternity leave my first time. So uh, my first is almost three years old. So I guess it was, you know, about two and a half years ago. Um, and I will never forget just realizing when I was on maternity leave, just the true power of what real leadership is. You know, I used to think that you know, being irreplaceable was making you a good leader. The fact that maybe, um, this idea that things only grow or get better because you're involved in it. Mm -hmm. And what I realized is what makes really good leadership is when things continue to operate and grow without you. Um, and so, um, You know, I went on maternity leave and I just remember getting text messages about how great my team was still doing, how good my team lead at the time was doing, um, all of the successes, the pipeline was still really good, the numbers continued to grow, and I wasn't there. And sometimes, you know, back in the day, I would think that that's like, oh my gosh, like maybe they don't need me. You know, maybe, maybe I am not the thing that is. Um, making, you know, this machine grow. Um, And I think a a really cool time just for me and in my leadership was really realizing that um, kind of building the fundamentals and and building the the blocks that are needed um, early on, you know, you kind of make a well, you know, you make a a well-rounded machine. And um, I think one of the coolest things was being able to take a step back and realizing that, You know my team was able to grow and and still do really great things when without me and i think that that's um when you kind of realize that you kind of leave a mark or some of the things that you've been spending time on the past you know the prior year all of a sudden it comes into play and you're like wow like the concepts are sticking the the coaching has worked and um you know and and other people are stepping up to the plate and you know i think that that was just a really cool moment in time for me
0: Mm. That's uh, I absolutely love that that leadership philosophy of uh, I, I I'm trying to think someone was just talking that it may have been Bob Iger the CEO of Disney I ran his or read his memoir recently but it was I think he said that and it's just a very powerful thing we we all try to be irreplaceable because we think mm-hmm. you know and, and I see it a lot in in sales reps as well. And uh, and just in society in general, we think that's a powerful trait, be irreplaceable, won't be able to run because that's how you're going to be able to stick with a company or you'll stick in your role for a long time. But like you said, the best leader or person is you set things up, set up the environment, set up the company to be able to run and be just as good, if not better, when you leave. And uh, that's the greatest trait as a leader or, or any kind of person, right? You know, even think of your family, think your, you know, say you, God forbid, pass on, you know, mm-hmm. like you want to make sure everything's set up for your family. Same type of yeah. Uh, mindset.
1: Yeah. You know, I think, um, that was, that was something when, you know, also kind of just realizing like the power of the pen, you know, putting things on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really just, you know, I, I think we, we all tend to think like nobody can run the account like I can, or, um, people can't work with this customer. Like I, I know this customer best mm-hmm. or, um, you know, um, you know, people, people want take vacations. Yes. Yes. And it's just like, guys, like, you know, it, sometimes you need to give yourself more credit too, you know, that. Um, Because you know these things you need to feel confident that you're going to be able to coach someone else up and and be able to to give them the the tools or or the understanding that's needed in order for it to be okay you know so, Mm -hmm. um, but the power of the pen was something that. um, You know i've tried to get a lot better at you know I uh, putting things on paper, um, you know because, to your point, you know all of these different leaders and all of these different associates, that's what makes, you know, STM great, you know, and, and it's literally all of these different people's ideas and, and, you know, how they apply things and how they get after things or how they reach out to customers, how they solicit, how they document, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe how they coach, how they get out in front, you know, that's, those are the things that, that make us great and that mm-hmm. continues to help us evolve and so I think it's um it's definitely um you know um I- impactful and, and important so I would definitely say that that was a, a pretty big moment for me
0: and in your first one you were the the whole Hampton Creek thing that whole opportunity I, I remember that and just came out of nowhere and turned into I think the biggest account at one point and it did yeah and it's I think if if you're you're a young seller or a tenured seller um like that's something to always keep in mind that that next large opportunity is right on the doorstep you never know what's going to come just from this year in 2020 I I have three or four accounts I can think off the top of my head on my team where you know just we weren't running any freight with them got in a bid got on the the spot board and then just turned into a massive account one of the accounts yeah. is one of the largest accounts in stm right now on my team right and, it, and they we did weren't even moving freight with them in in 2019 so it's just like you can it, it, you know take take action first remember we were saying take action yeah and then, uh and then you got to, you got a active listening, you know, to those customers and, and then, uh, you know, get out there, take that action. And you never know when that next opportunity is going to come through because they do, they come out of nowhere. And the only way we're able to do it is if we're, you know, we're out there making moves.
1: <laughs> you know, 100%. I mean, that was, you know. Megan at the time, I mean, we were, like I said, we went from like doing three loads a month. I mean, that was absolutely one of those accounts where, you know, she would have at that moment, she definitely told you like, hey, this is, it's, it's a smaller customer. But, you know, I always say like, never stop selling to your current customers. I think we tend to just think that like, you know, because This customer has only given me X amount of volume on a per month basis that that is just who and what that customer is. And the great thing about Megan at that time is, you know, Megan, like I said, she was on LinkedIn. She started hearing that a lot of people were investing in this customer. I will never forget. She came up to me and she just got this call from them and she was like, listen, she was like, I actually think that this can be huge and because she continued to spend time with a a customer at the time that was small that was just a one-off shipper um and 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 was able to blow it up you know and at that time that was such a a good experience for me because to your point like i mean i was only a 19k seller i mean i've never managed a, a customer that was operating 40 50 loads a day um and and you know from that, I mean, I definitely didn't know how to lead someone in, into helping them in that space. So, I think the the cool thing about that was just everyone really rolled up their sleeves in order to to assist in that space. And and that's been it was a it was a really cool time and a really cool story. But yeah, I mean, customers change, um, businesses change, and I think this year for sure has shown us that. So, um, you know. Just because a customer might be small or might be telling you no today doesn't mean that they're going to tell you no tomorrow and it doesn't mean that they're going to stay small. So, you know, always, always be selling within your current customer base um, because you just never know what more you're going to be able to uncover.
0: I love that. I, but yeah,
1: Ronnie, you made a point. I mean, your team's kind of killing it right now. <laughs> like I, we're, we're like we're talking a lot about like asking me questions, but. <laughs> Um, you've had some, you've had some really exciting things that are happening
0: on your team <laughs> for sure. I mean, I, I honestly still use the Hampton Creek story on just talking about prospecting and, you know, cus, customers that are small don't always stay small. And I yeah. try to tell people there's a lot of creativity when it comes to prospecting and, and finding out what counts you want to attack. and just, I've used examples of just You know, think of – always use this one. I was like, think of the popular uh, food, snack type brands or or like diets. You know, you think vegan and keto. And over the last five years, there's been so much different snacks and and healthier snacks with good oils in them. And there's so many opportunities uh, for people to – you get in early like she did with Hampton Creek and be mm-hmm. that value provider. You know, they, they don't have enough manpower or woman power and or uh, or or finances or capital to to afford someone to handle the logistics. We're the experts. You get in there and and do it for them. I and mean, it's something and it's maybe a, a a something that you're already passionate about or you. Yeah, actually already consume if it's a snack
1: (laughs) yeah no it was it just that whole thing it was um you know Megan hated mayonnaise and this is like a vegan mayonnaise you know company at the time and but you know honestly it's because gosh someone in Chicago and I and I forget the account but it was a startup company, and that's what triggered Megan to start pros- prospecting. That mm. it was, it was she was actually hunting for startups, and that's how she found Hampton Creek. And you know, while they were manufacturing, you know, vegan eggs and you know, not you know, vegan mayonnaise and all these different things. I mean, honestly, they were a tech company, is what they were really, you know, kind of publicizing themselves as. So, um, you know, that just kind of goes to to that next piece too of just like. Um, you, you know, that, that, that type of mentality on like, okay, like, hey, someone else is, is seeing success here. Maybe I take a deeper dive and, and start to see what I can find in that space too.
0: Mm-hmm. I love it. That, the, the final question was going to be some advice to a newer person, but I think we laid it on here in the last 15 minutes. So we can end it off with that. And yeah, appreciate uh, for taking the time, Lauren. And I feel like there was a, a lot of good conversation here that people could take out of and apply it to their lives.
1: Yes. Well, I appreciate it. And and thank you. Uh, I'm glad that I was finally able to uh, to make this happen. So I appreciate you having me on.
0: Thanks again, Lauren.
1: All right. Talk to you later.